Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We are, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3. We, as a body, the church body here, the church in uh, Kansas, we're in the middle of a move of God, a move of the Spirit, moving forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is doing more now in churches that will let Him than he's done in previous decades. And understand something, that the enemy always overplays his hand. And he always pushes the church too far. Amen. Because the church will always answer the call. Always. And, and, and when you read throughout the book of Acts, you read throughout the Pauline epistles, uh, in the book of Acts, the church came under persecution, and here's what they did. They went and turned the world upside down. Right? That's what happened. They, 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 reading the book of Acts, when they were talking about Paul and his companions, they said, oh, dear God, those that have turned the world upside down have come here. Yeah. Notice how afraid the sinners were of the men of God when they came to their city. Oh, my Lord, they've turned the world upside down. Now they're after us. Amen. But they knew where they were. They knew they were in the middle of a move of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So we're in the middle of a revival. We're in the middle of a move of the Spirit. And revival is not a series of meetings. Revival is not something where there's always this a multitude of manifestations. Revival, according to the dictionary, is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. An improvement in the condition or the strength of something. As a believer, you're always to be improving. You're always to be growing. You're always to be maturing. The goal of the Christian life is maturity and progression. I always need to be progressing. Remember what the book of Ecclesiastes says. It said, don't say, why were the former days better than these days? It says, that's not wisdom. One translation says, that's an ignorant question. The older day, the, the, the days gone by were not better. I don't care what days you point to. I don't, I don't care if you point to Azusa. I don't care if you point to the Welsh revival or you point to any revival that's occurred. If you point to Brownsville or Lakeland or any of those revivals that occurred, they were not better than what God's doing right now. They were pockets that largely stayed contained. Now the Azusa Street revival went around the world. But many of them were pockets that stayed contained. Revival is not a series of meetings. It's a move of God. It's a move of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 3. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, verse 17. 
Thank you, Lord. Good to have this on fire couple with us from Louisiana tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Colby and Sister Destiny, praise the Lord. Uh, my wife has actually known them a lot. I just met them tonight. She's known them for years and uh, uh, was uh, instrumental in, in, in the Lord moving in, in his life. And so we're just so blessed. How long have y'all been married? Almost three years. Now, when I first saw you, you were single. You look a lot happier now. Yeah. Hey, amen. Hallelujah. His wife's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But they uh, 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 go to Pastor Rule and Lisa Young's church in, uh, uh, tell me this town. What's that? Ringgold, Louisiana. And they, I thought it was interesting. They said, we found out that, 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 that we can get up here for Sunday night service uh, pretty easy. So uh, they came up. So we're, we're grateful. Amen. Good to have you all tonight. Amen. I, I love to see anybody that God's done such a work in. We're going to have to have him come and give his testimony uh, one evening because uh, God really did a work in his life. And, and just to see him sitting here on the front row with his Bible and his wife and, and the love of God on your face, it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing. And we appreciate you. Amen. Second Corinthians 3 and uh, verse 17. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, notice this, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we see this word liberty, God's not talking about a free-for-all attitude or a free-for-all spirit. He's talking about the freedom that he intended for us to have in the Lord. Notice, no burdens, no worries, no cares. He wanted us totally consumed in him. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, not just in the church, in my life, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, right? Or there's freedom. And he said that what will happen is that we would be changed. Now, changed is important because in order to go from glory to glory and enter the spirit of, li of liberty, you have to be willing to change. Anything that you want to be different in your life, you've got to be willing to change. Something has to change. Amen. I've talked to people before and they would say, uh, I, they'll, they'll talk to me about their finance. I'll say, well, do you have a budget? Let me see your budget. Oh, I don't have time for a budget. you got to change. If you want more liberty in your finances, you got to budget your money. Right? Amen. I see a lot of knowing nods. It's, it, right? you got to budget your money. If you want more liberty in the spirit, you've got to be willing to change. I have to be willing to go a different direction. Amen. There are multitudes of churches, large churches that used to be influential, that used to be powerful, that used to be, that used to be change agents in the kingdom that don't exist anymore because they wouldn't change. And I don't mean change where a, a, a style is concerned or change in that mean. I mean they would not follow what God was doing. 
And when I fail to follow what God is doing, Les Summerall said this, God don't do anything on the earth what time I'm alive that I'm not right in the middle of it. I want to be right in the middle of it. And he was. He was right in the middle of the voice of healing, the charismatic revival, the word of faith revival, and got in on, on, on the, the early part of the 20, 21st century. Amen. But he was willing to change. You got to be willing to be changed. Don't get in a rut. I got to be willing to be changed. God, whatever needs to change in me, I want it to change because I want all of you that I can have and all of you that I can get. I don't want to miss out on anything because I wouldn't change. Amen. Amen. I mean, I, I want everything that He wants. I want everything that He wants to pour out on me. If, if you go somewhere and it's the same as it was five years ago, something's wrong, something's off, something's not right. Because there, 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 there has to be a change. God does not change, but God moves in every dispensation according to the people that are there. He moves the same way, but He moves on a different frequency. And when the people get tuned into what God wants, instead of what I want and what I desire, then change is the result. We talked a couple weeks ago about coming full circle and a youth movement that was coming to the church. And God said it was going to be along the lines of the Jesus movement, only with a focus on the Holy Spirit and the Word. Come on, it's coming to the church. It's on the way. That means there's got to be a change in the way some people see some things. Amen. What this, and, and, and I don't like talking about it, but I will just for the sake of my message. What this pandemic has showed up in the church is the lack of preparation the church had for any adversity. Adversity hit a lot of those churches, a lot of churches, and they closed. They just closed. Amen. And when I say closed, I mean closed. They had no presence. They had no online presence. They had no live stream presence. We're not, we don't live stream so that we can put our face out there. We live stream so people everywhere all around the world can hear the word of God that we believe God has entrusted to us to minister. God. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. That there were people that did not understand why I was spending all the money that we spent on camera equipment. We've spent multiplied thousands, multiplied thousands of dollars to consistently upgrade and do what we need to do. And I had people, I, I don't understand that. Well, now, I don't know that they understand now, but here's the point. The Word of God is unhindered, it's unfettered, it's unchanged. Glory be to God. God wants us to be conformed to His image and be free. And be free. Amen. Say out loud, God wants me to be free. free. Now remember, that's no burdens, no worries, no cares. He wants us totally consumed in Him. Everything that you see today that the enemy is bringing around, every report is designed to put care on you. It's designed to put a burden on you, right? It, things can be going good, but you, there's some voice going, yeah, but what about the next three months? What about it? What about it? We're coming out. What, what do you have to do? When you're going through hell, what do you do? Keep going. 
You don't stop. Don't camp out and, and, and rent an RV spot. Just keep moving. Amen. I had a guy come to me one time and, and, and talk to me in my office. And, and I felt for him. I did. But he kept saying, I'm just pastor. I'm going through hell. I'm going through hell. And I'm not, I'm not being vulgar, but I'm going through hell. And finally I said, man, keep going. Just one foot in front of the other. You, 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 you've got to get out of it. Listen, ever what happens in the world, we're coming out of this. The world is going to come out of it. There is light on the other side. The Bible says that when the sun rises and the sun sets, it is evident that God is still on the throne. And as far as I know, in Little Rock, Arkansas this morning, the sun came up and the sun's going down. So God's still on the throne. We're still in charge. The earth is still the Lord's and he's still giving it to the children of men. And we have the victory. It's not a kingdom demic. It's a pandemic. It's, it's attacking the world, but we're making it. We're thriving. Should I tell you this again? 2020. I've been full-time pastoring these churches for 22 years. 2020 is the best year we have ever had financially. 2020. And we're... What, eight months into the year? And we've had the best year ever. How is that possible? Because it's not affecting the kingdom. It's not affecting the kingdom. The kingdom's good. (laughs) So what I'm saying is he wants where the Spirit of the Lord is. Is the Spirit of the Lord with you during this time? Then there's liberty. No burdens, no worries, no cares. He wants us totally consumed in him. You cannot accommodate fear. You cannot start catering to fear. If you start catering to fear, you stop change. Amen. Listen, I'm not against any any steps that the people are taking to to try to help people. I'm not against anything. But I hear pastors doing certain things. I think they're catering to people's fear. When you start catering to fear and you start accommodating fear, where do you stop? Where, Where do you stop? At some point, don't we have to keep living? At some point, don't we have to keep going? I was meeting with my pastor the other day, and I said, Pastor, don't you agree that at some point people have to just say, we're going to get through this. i got to go back to work. i got to get back out in the community. I have to keep living. I have to keep going. My kids got to go back to school. At some point, we got to keep living. Amen. And, and we go in the protection of God and the world does what they do, but we do what we do because the Spirit of the Lord is with us everywhere we go and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. My goodness, I've preached myself happy. So no worries, no burdens, no cares. He wants us totally consumed in Him. You cannot be consumed by the circumstance and consumed by Him. Something has to have your attention. I've been preaching on Wednesday nights. What has your attention? Something has your attention. Amen. Amen. Are you you following me? So what has our attention is what God's doing. I was talking to my mother. She lives in Kentucky. Uh, Dad went to be with the Lord back in uh, uh, April. And, uh, of course, they were preachers all of my life, uh, ever since they were married. They were married. He was 20, 
1, 20, and she was 17. And so he led her to the Lord. One of the most heartfelt moments in, in my life that I'll always remember is, is uh, we, we were at the funeral home, of course, uh, you know, viewing uh, uh, his uh, uh, body. And, uh, and mom walked up and, 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 you know, everybody, and she, she did what mom does. You know, she's fixing his tie. And she said, I have, she said, I have loved you since the day you led me to Jesus. I thought, man, wasn't that, you know, and I'm not a big cry. Well, I am a big crier. My, my wife says I'm a big softy, but anyway, but, but, but the point is, is, you know, I'm, 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 I'm being strong. Well, there wasn't no being strong through that. Praise God. But uh, the, the point is, it was a joyful time. My point is, I called her and she said she had been, she had been preaching last night. So she's almost 80 and preaching more now than she ever has. But uh, uh, she said there was a testimony uh, uh, of a guy that uh, uh, it was his wife, and she had been diagnosed with cerebral palsy and couldn't get around and, and was really struggling. Well, she got saved, and uh, she wanted to get baptized. And so they put her in the waters of baptism, and when she came up, came up out of the baptism, all the cerebral palsy was gone. She was totally healed. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody prayed for her. She just got baptized and came up healed. Hallelujah. I, I think that's called liberty. That, that's a move of God. Amen. Those are the things God wants us to keep our mind on. My father used to say this. It only takes God a second to change everything in your life. Just a second for everything to turn. Everything can be going wrong, but overnight it can turn around and go right. God said to me one time, he said, imagine this. He said, imagine going to bed debt and waking up in debt and waking up debt free. He said, imagine going to bed sick and getting up well. Imagine going to bed with your family not saved and you get up and they're all born again. He said, that's how quick things are going to begin to happen. God can cancel debts. God can heal bodies. God can move on the hearts of our children. It doesn't take very long for God to do it. It just takes us believing that He wants to do it that way. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to become more like Him. I want to be free. Free from those worries. Free from those cares. Amen. So God wants us to be conformed to His image. It's not being unruly. It's not being unmanageable. This is talking about changing from image to image. From, from one image to His image. From this image to His image. Becoming more like Him. I want to be more like Him. That's what Paul said today when we were talking in, in Philippians 3. When he was talking about seeing yourself as righteous and, and being able to walk in the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. Notice that phrase, conformable to his death. That's when I start entering into the image of God. I'm made in the image of God because my spirit looks just like him. But I have to conform myself to his image. Well, what's part of conforming myself to His image? I don't carry care. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be concerned. Amen. If you've ever had anxiety, you know it's not that good, so don't, don't get into it. Amen. Don't, don't get into it. 
Refuse it. Refuse it every chance you get. I was talking to the, to the Saturday night group last night, and I was saying, you've got to refuse fear. You've got to determine, I will not be afraid of anything. I will not fear anything. David, who was running from Saul, who was trying to kill him when he was surrounded, said this, I will lay me down and I will sleep and the Lord will sustain me. As far as I know, nobody's trying to kill you. So, so you can do that too. David said, I will not be afraid what man will do to me. No fear. Not going to fear. Why? Because God is in me. God is love. And 1 John 4 says that perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. God doesn't want you tormented. God doesn't want your mind tormented. He doesn't want your body tormented. So he says, you get in here over in this perfect love and I'll cast out fear because it torments you. God is a perfectly good father and he does not want his children tormented and he says, you just get over here and conform to my image and I'll get rid of it for you. Oh, glory be to God. So we want to become more like him. And that's why all these, these moves of God and, and the move of the Spirit that we're experiencing, what it's doing is bringing us into a place where we're more like Him. It's not for the, the goosebumps and the feel-goods and the runs and the shouts, and we need to do that, but it's to conform us to him, His image. It's to bring us into a closer relationship with Him. The more you get into the things of the Spirit of God, the closer you get to God. The more you move in the Spirit and the more you allow the Spirit to move, the more God is present, and the more God is present, the more change occurs. Oh, Glory. Abraham and Sarah were changed. They were changed. You know, you think about that. And, and we know the end result of that story. Abraham was, was a, a hundred years old and, and Sarah was how old she was when they had a child. And we think, oh, wasn't that great? But the Bible lets us know their bodies had to change. When, when the book of Hebrews tells us that through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. When it says she received strength to conceive, it means she was able to receive the deposit of seed. So before that time, she was not able at any time in her life. She had been barren her whole life. Something changed. Something changed on the inside of her. What changed? She, her body changed when she gave her attention to what God said. Yeah. Through me. It's through me that this heir is going to come. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Remember she was real quick one time to say, hey, go to Hagar. That's, that's probably how God's going to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amen. All the wives think, that's crazy. That woman was crazy. <laughs> right? But anyway... She said, that's how God's going to do it. And God kept talking to her. Right? Then he, then he, then he shows up in the plains of, of Mamre and he makes a promise. And he said, about this time next year, Sarah's going to give birth. And Sarah went, ha, 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 And God said, why'd you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. Lying to God. I mean, face to face with God. Not like God in heaven and you're trying to lie to him. I mean, looking at him. I didn't lie. I didn't laugh. Oh, you did laugh. 
Both of them laughed. A chapter before, Abraham laughed. And he wasn't laughing in faith. He was laughing because he was looking at his body. Sarah was laughing because she was looking at her body. But at some point, Genesis tells us, in, 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 in Genesis, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said and did unto her as he had promised. At some point, Hebrews 11 tells us that she took what he said as absolute truth and said he was fully able to do what he said and what she did was change herself through the power of God. Hallelujah. So ever what you're dealing with, you get in the presence of God, it'll change. It'll change. Hallelujah. Saul of Tarsus was changed. Changed. And people say, well, if I had that kind of encounter, I would change too. It wasn't the encounter that changed him. It was the power of God that changed him. Amen. Why? Because there are people you know and I know have had dramatic encounters with God and backslid. I know people that had dramatic encounters with God that aren't in church anymore. Because a dramatic encounter with God doesn't change you. It's what you do with it. And the first thing Saul did, Paul did was say, Who are you, Lord? And got saved. And then he went after it. And God said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And you're going to minister to them. And you're going to turn them from darkness to light. You're going to turn them from the power of Satan to God. Is that what he said? And you'll minister before kings and you'll minister before magistrates. And Paul went and immediately when he was able to see, the first thing he did was went and start preaching Jesus. Why? He was changed. He was changed. Amen. The disciples were changed. Hallelujah. I I used to give them a lot harder time than, than I do now. You know, you, you, you get a little older and you see some things a little different. I, I'll hear preachers talk about, you know, how Peter always stuck his foot in his mouth. And a lot of those preachers, you know, the only time, the only, <laughs> the only time they open their mouth is to change feet. And so, you know, <laughs> and, and you know that, right? You know that about them. So don't, don't give Peter such a hard time because we've all done it. We've all doubted. We've all missed it. But notice something. Here he is one day denying he knows him. I don't know him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were with him. Look, I swear to God, I don't know him. <laughs> right? Amen. Hallelujah. Just a few short days later, a couple weeks, month later, he's standing up. Hey, these men are not drunk like you suppose. Yeah. But this is that that was promised to the prophet Joel. In the last days I'll pour into my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream, dream, see visions. Your, your, young men, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. All my servants and my handmaidens. I'll pour out of my spirit. Amen. Changed. Oh, we're going to crucify you, Peter. And we're going we're to put you on the cross. Turn me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Not running away from it, not worried about it. In, in prison, threatened to be beheaded the next day, and he's asleep. Well, why? Because Jesus told him in the last chapter of the book of John. He looked at John and he said, what about him, Lord? And Jesus said, if he lives till I come, that's my business. He said, you take up the cross and follow me. Right? And he said, when you're old, 
Somebody else will help you put on your garment. Somebody else will lead you around. Well, Peter wasn't old. Why was he asleep? He knew he still had more to do. He had been changed. He had, been in, he had encountered the presence of God. When you look at the apostle John, God told him in the beginning of the book of Revelation, he said, you're going to write the things that you see, the things that, that, the things that were, the things that are, and the things that are going to be. And he said, there are things you have said, things you're saying, and things you must still say. At the age John was, he knew he still had future ministry, and the glory of God was all over his life. It doesn't matter where you've missed it, where you've failed, where you've, where you've backed off. It doesn't matter if you've backed off what God asked you to do. If you get back into the presence of God and you start being conformed to His image, God will still put in your heart what He wants you to do. He'll fire you up and give you a vision and put an anointing in you because there's something for me to do. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If they can be changed, so can we. I can be changed. Say it out loud. I can be changed. Glory to God. I got to become proficient at carrying what God's doing in my life to the lives of other people. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 3. Am I helping you? I've talked to pastors before and they tell me, they say, and, and, and they don't mean that it's bad, but they say, Philip, you're the most fired up person I've ever met about doing what God wants you to do. And I said, when you find what God wants you to do with your life, you're ruined. You're good for nothing else. It's got to become your passion. Because this is what God asked me to do. Amen. Whatever God's asked you to do, you press into that. And the more close you get to it, the more conformed to His image you become. 2 Timothy 3 and 14. Notice, he's writing to Timothy. Let's read verse 13 to get the context. But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue you in the things which you've learned, and been assured of knowing of whom you have learned them we got to continue in what we've learned. Amen. You stay with what works. Yeah. Right? There's any number of slogans. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Dance with the one that brung you. Right? In any other number of slogans. What, is, what are we saying? Continue in what you've learned. I got a hold of the word of faith. Almost a quarter century ago. And it hadn't stopped working. So why should I change? Why should I teach something else or believe something else? I've had people say, ah, that, yeah, that faith stuff, you know, that's, that's kind of old. No, 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 no. They don't understand it. Amen. No, it's the message of faith that will change your life. To continue in what we've experienced and learned, we got to hear this, refuse to go back to normal. Wherever God has brought you to, you got to refuse to go back to how it was. The Lord told me one time about finances. He said the key is refusing to go back to where you were. Yeah. 
Because a lot of people will sow when they have an issue and they'll, they'll get a blessing and they'll, they'll take care of the issue, but then they fall back into the pattern. Don't do that. When you come out, stay out. So to, con- to continue in what I've experienced and learned, I have to refuse to go back to normal. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're not normal. Now we know that about some sitting in here. Amen. Try, try it one more time. Tell them, say, you're not normal. You're not, normal. <laughs> not normal. Normal is boring. Normal is powerless. Right? If you talk to somebody and you go, hey, how's it going today? What you been doing today? Oh, nothing. Nothing outside the norm. In other words, just another day like every other day. Yeah. Right? Normal for this body does not exist anymore. Hmm. The Lord said this was a house of healing and a house of miracles. The, 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 the Lord said that this was a strong body and a body that was willing to do what He asked us to do. So normal... For this body doesn't exist anymore. Amen. Not even a new normal. We're not going to get normal. We're going to be weird. In a good way. Amen. Because listen, it's weird people that will believe that God heals, that will believe God will deliver. That's where people can come and get a change. Amen. I refuse to have a church that nobody ever gets healed in or set free or delivered in. I, I, I want people to say to their family members, if you come to my church, God will heal you. It will affect change. If you'll come to this church and give the word of God six months of your life, it'll never be the same. Never be the same. Why? Because you won't be able to stay normal. Look at Mark 6, 16. Mark 16. Am I helping you tonight? You know, when my wife got born again, and she gave her testimony some uh, last week, when she got born again, she encountered something that wasn't normal. It was a move of God. Now, she didn't know anything about God. You know, sometimes I think we as the church, we think that, you know, everybody knows about God. Well, she was raised in the Bible Belt, the buckle of the Bible Belt. And at 23 years of age, had never heard the truth about Jesus. At 23 years of age. The the night she was was, uh, uh, in a bar, her her, uh, first husband had died of an overdose. It was an accidental overdose. He didn't do it on purpose. Accidental. And uh, so then he's gone. Well, she, he's been telling her what to do since she was 16. He, he was the one that, you know, put her on the street and, and did all these different things. And, and I'm not running him down. I'm just saying that was that, that's the truth of it. But here's the thing. So she had to find somebody else to, to help her. And so she is, is in this bar 
where the bar owner is not only a bar owner, uh, he's a drug dealer, and, and he gets vast quantities of drugs, and she gets first lick on anything that comes in. Well, that was, that was her third overdose, and that was the night she died and went to hell. And she said, I looked up, and there was a, a tall, six-foot-tall flaming skull looking back at me. And she said, I turned around and started running, and I could see the light, the doorway into that bar. Spirit realm's real. And she went running back to her body. And she said, I ran into my body, jumped back in my body. And, and she came back to life. That man was doing CPR on her. She jumped up, ran out of that bar, and ran out in the, in, in the street. And, and it was then after then that Zach and Dara Reynolds got a hold of her. And invited her to church. But that night, the night after that happened, she went to a, a spirit-filled, supposedly Pentecostal church right up the street from where she had always lived. And she went in there, and when they asked for prayer, she came up front and she said to the pastor's wife, she said, I died tonight. And I need to change my life. You know what the pastor's wife did? Ushered her out the back door. And then turned to Dara Reynolds who brought her to church and said, that girl's got demon problems. And Dara said, well, why didn't you help her then? Here, here's my point. I am so glad that there was not an offense and a hurt and a destroying. She, she, was, she was with two people that wanted to see change in her life. Wanted to help her be conformed to the image of God. And so it was a couple days later, they took her to the revival that my parents were holding. Amen. And she encountered the power of God. When you have an encounter with the power of God, you can never go back to just life as normal. Because I know what it was like and I know how it is now. And the power of God has changed me. Glory to God. So you can't go back to normal. And I've had people over the years tell me my wife's too loud. And here's my mindset. Okay. I'll quiet her down. If you promise me that if she goes back and gets on heroin, you'll deliver her. Or you'll set her free if she gets addicted again. No. So you can promise me that, I'm going to let her shout. Hold my mule, I'll help her shout. Amen. Glory be to God. And we'll just shout together. Amen. We like to shout. Because one of her requirements for her husband was that he had to shout more than she did. Well, I'm her husband. So we get to shouting. Amen. We'll, we'll get to shouting, and Lily will come in and shout. She comes in the door, and she's like, what's going on? Oh, we're shouting. <laughs> and then Lily goes, watch me, super speed. Ch- change. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Larry, I'm so glad that when you went into Agape Church with all your baggage and all your mistakes and all your failures, nobody looked at you and said, man, clean up. And things, they encountered the presence 
of God and conformed to His image. Now you're no longer normal. Mark 16 and verse 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow them that believe. Are you a believer? These are the accompanying signs of the believer. In my name, they'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. What were they preaching? What he just said. The Lord working with them. Confirming the word with signs following. Do you see that? So every, as, as I do this, I'm conforming myself to his image. Amen. As I do this, I'm conforming myself to his image. Because the church will have a move of God. They'll have a revival and then they'll cool off and start praying for another revival. Amen. They'll have a revival. They'll have a move of God. And then they'll cool off and start praying for another move of God. It's, it's a perpetual thing. The revival, the change has to be carried on. Amen. The Holy Spirit can only anoint and manifest the word that we carry forth. He can only anoint and manifest the word that you carry to people. If you're not carrying it to people, there's nothing for him to anoint and manifest in. Amen. It's not hard. You see somebody sick, just start off and say, you know, God will heal you. They might say, well, I don't believe that. Well, okay, they're unbelievers. But you've opened the door for the Holy Spirit to manifest himself. Glory to God. The revival or the change has to be carried on. The Holy Spirit will confirm the teaching and preaching of the word or the word of your testimony. There's nothing as powerful as your testimony. Three times in the book of Acts, Paul gave his testimony. Three times. Gave his testimony of how he was changed. Over and over again, you see testimonies throughout the word of God. What's your testimony? Well, I don't have that much of a testimony. Has God done anything for you? Well, if he's done anything for you, you got a testimony. If he saved you from hell, you got a testimony. Amen. But we got people on the sound of our, my voice tonight. You've been delivered from drugs, alcohol, other things. Amen. Depression, anxiety, fear, bodily ailments. We got, I got people on the sound of my voice. The doctor gave you up, but here you are. Amen. Why? Because God touched you. None of this would have happened if they hadn't went. Somebody had to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark 5. Look at Mark 5. I think about things we see. And sometimes I think that, that, that in the church, sometimes we get this idea of like super saints. Right? I mean, when, when, you, when you think about Brother Hagin, 
Now, now, please don't misunderstand me. Brother Hagin's a father in the faith to me. But when you think about Brother Hagin, if you think about him, you know, I, I mean, he's in heaven. But if you think about Brother Hagin, you would never think of Brother Hagin's prayer not being answered. Oh, if I can just get to Brother Hagin. Right? And there, there were people that thought that. And, and there were people that went to him and got nothing. Not because he didn't have any power. But because the issue is, it's the Word of God. It's, it's what I put my confidence in. At some point, I have to receive from the Word for myself. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 5 and uh, verse 8. So what I was saying about super spirits, super saints, because we, we hear stories, and, and they're right, and they should be told. But when you think about Andrew Womack being called and being woken up from a, a, a sound sleep and they said, your son is dead. Not sick, dead. He's dead. He's gone. And he's got to drive over an hour. And by the time he gets there, he's not, his son is not in an exam room. He's in the morgue with a toe tag. In the cooler. And had been dead for hours. Not just we lost him a few minutes ago. Hours. And he said all the way there. The enemy was fighting his mind. And he said I wanted. I wanted. I wanted to get depressed. I want, He said but I just started laughing. Which that's unusual. Especially if you, you know Andrew. Because he. He's as dry as a piece of Texas toast. <laughs> but powerful. I mean, he says some amazing things. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he went into that morgue and laid hands on his son and he came to life. And is alive today. His wife died and they raised her to life. Now listen, that's not a super saint. That's somebody that has taken their life and conformed it to the image of God. That if I lay hands on the sick, if I, if I lay hands on a dead person, I can raise them from the dead. Amen. And there a young lady in your church drowned, right? Died. She was, she was on our program. They were here. Remember the... The, the two young men, the young lady that came and sang that night, she died. Your sister, yeah, drowned, died. Got, 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 st- they, were, they were tubing and, and went under the water. And, and for whatever reason, the current and whatnot wouldn't let her up. She died. Hallelujah. But her husband showed up and said, no, this isn't happening. In the name of Jesus, you will not die. You will live in Jesus' name. Is she alive? Yeah. She was here. You saw her. Well, there was nobody that could have been less prepared. They were tubing, not preaching. But when the pressure was on, what was in him came out. Right? And that, that's, that's being conformed to the image of God. Amen. <laughs> Mark 5. I'm almost done. That's a good place to go, oh. 
Hallelujah. Mark 5 and verse 18. And when he was coming to a ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Albeit Jesus suffered him not, but said, Go home to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion or mercy on you. And he departed, the man did, and began to publish in Decapolis. Ten cities, there were ten cities in that region. How great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now notice, he had experienced a great deliverance, and he wanted to follow Jesus. He had experienced revival, a change. What did Jesus say? Go home and tell your friends and relatives about what God did for you. Amen. He immediately went home and began telling people what Jesus had done for him. Glory to God. Immediately. Tell your relatives, hey, I used to be depressed, and I'm not anymore. Amen. Let me tell you how it worked. Right? I used to be sick. I used to be bound. I used to be broke. I used, whatever. But I'm not anymore. I remember when, 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 when uh, uh, I, we were raising our kids, wherever we would drive, uh, we, would, we would drive by a cemetery. And, and I would point it out. And, and I would always make me say, I said, you know, the Bible says one day the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And I would always use that time to teach them about Jesus returning. Even today when we have our Christmas gatherings and whatnot, uh, uh, then of course I get to pray and, and, and then I'll always add in there, and Lord, help us to be ready for your second return because Jesus is returning. Amen. There, there are family members, extended family members. You know, your family grows and, and you get uh, sons-in-laws and daughters-in-laws and, 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 you know, they'll bring their sisters and bring their brothers and they don't know anything about, about the gospel. But, boy, they come to our Christmas, get up, and they learn it. Why? I have a responsibility. I've been conformed to the image of God. I can't, I can't help myself. Amen. And he went home and began telling people, what Jesus had done for him. There are people in your life, they know where you would be without Jesus. They know. They can't deny it. Amen. Tell them about it. The impact of revival, the impact of a move of God can be lost if we don't tell others what Jesus has done in our lives. The greater the change in your life, the greater responsibility you have to tell others. If the change has been great, the responsibility is great. Jesus said, to whom much is forgiven, much is required. Amen. Amen. Look at Mark chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. Conform to his image. Mark 2 and 14. I love this passage of Scripture. Not because of its depth, but because of the visual that you get. Jesus, Scripture says, was a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, some time ago, you know, uh, people were talking about, uh, you know, when they started having Bible studies in bars and drinking beer while they were having Bible studies, that, you know, Jesus would have been there. Well, Jesus was never drinking beer. The, the, the publicans and sinners came to him. 
I don't have a beer drinking Jesus. Anyway, and I don't believe in sipping saints. Now, if, if you do, that, that's okay. Repent. Be baptized. Amen. <laughs> but my point is, is Jesus was never soft on sin. He never, he never swept it under the rug. But there was something about Jesus that drew those people to him. And we read it in the book of John today. Jesus said this. Here's why he, they were drawn to him. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to judge the world. He said, there is one that judges the world, and it's the word that I have spoken to them. That'll judge them. Read, read through the four Gospels. Jesus never judged anybody. The woman caught in the very act of adultery, he said, my God, woman, what are you doing? Don't, my Lord, don't you know better than that? No. I don't condemn you. I don't judge you either. Go and sin no more. Wasn't soft on it, but he said, just go and don't sin anymore. It drew people to him. When you're conformed to the image of God, there's something about you that people that need help want to be around you because you have the answer. Amen. And so this is a beautiful visual here that we get because it starts in verse 14. And it says, as he passed by, Jesus passed by, he saw the son of Alphaeus, Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom or at the place where the custom was received, tax collector. So when they came along that way, they had to pay their taxes. Whether it was the temple tax or the, or the road tax or whatever it was, they were not liked. And here's why they were not like. Tax collectors were not Gentiles. They were Jews that worked for Rome. And so they were despised because they were working for the oppressor. The worst thing you could be called was a tax collector. Why? Because you would lie, you would cheat, you would extort your own people. So sitting at the receipt of custom and he said, Unto him, follow me. The word follow is a wonderful word. It's the Greek word mimetes. And it means to mimic or to be like. So we're talking about being conformed to his image. So Jesus is basically telling Matthew, come and be conformed to my image. And he says, notice, and he rose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat or at dinner in his house, many publicans and sinners sat with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. There were many, and they followed him. The first thing Levi did was bring Jesus home and share him with his friends. He brought him home and then called all of his friends and said, come on to dinner. You see the same thing with Zacchaeus, who climbed up in the sycamore tree. Remember the song we used to sing in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Amen. If you were raised in church, you know that song. Amen. But the point is, so he climbed up the tree, and Jesus came to the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to go to your house today. 
And the first thing Zacchaeus did was call all of his friends to come to his house. Why? Because my life's about to change. And I want your life to change. The thing that prompted him to do this was the change, the revival that had occurred in his life. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at, the at times in the season we're in to see the church turning inward. When it's the perfect time to be turned outward. Perfect time to be turned outward. Why? People need help. I preached last Sunday night about rebuilding the walls. Rebuilding the walls. And people need their lives rebuilt. People need, there, there are people you know and that I know. There are people that you know maybe uh, uh, two or three people away from you. They've lost everything. There are people that have lost their jobs. There are businesses that people have lost that will never reopen. And people are hurting. Amen. When we tell others about the change in our lives, Jesus will visit them. Jesus will visit them. My testimony becomes a vehicle for Jesus to get into their life. Hallelujah. And the only way to keep revival flowing, to keep a move of God flowing, is to continue in the things we've learned. Just continue to do what have we have learned. The Lord told me years ago, he said, you preach the pure word of faith in the manner that you learned it, and you stay with your fathers, and you'll stay safe. The voice of churches that won't compromise is going to get greater. Compromise will minimize the voice. Because, and I say this to you a lot, you mark this down, I'm telling you, tonight, that a lot of things are about to change. You're, you're going to be amazed. And, and I say this, and I, and I put it out there, just, I'm going a lot of places tonight. I'm going to any number of states that are watching, people around the world, right here sitting in this room. You're going to be amazed at how, around about November, a lot of things just disappear. Because the things we're dealing with in a lot of areas are spiritual. They're not natural, they're spiritual. This whole political climate is a spiritual thing. It's spiritual. Because the rebirth of our nation is at stake. I heard a man say this. And uh, a man that I have tremendous confidence in. And he said this, he said, if the church doesn't mobilize and the church doesn't vote, he said, if our president is not reelected, he said, you can kiss America goodbye. And people say, Pastor, that's sobering. We're talking about a move of God, right? And we're having a move of God and we'll continue to have a move of God. But the issue, folks, is this is everything that God wants to do in the earth, He's got to do it through the vehicle of the church. It's amazing that the statistics say this, that 94%, think about this, 94% of people in America that were polled said they're 
Christians, they believe in the things of God. I read this statistic just the other day. So if in any other area you had a vast difference of like 94 to 6, you wouldn't think you could lose. But you got to divide that up. There's people that don't believe the word. There's people that, right? But you mark, you mark my words. You mark my words. There are things that are going to begin to occur. And those things that begin to occur, the enemy's always got to produce a lie. And you got to be hearing from your spirit. You'll be watching something or hearing something. And if it comes up, that's not right. Don't listen to it no more. Turn it off. Don't pay attention to it. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. You didn't hear anything negative about kids going back to school to our president said our kids need to go back to school. And now they're trying to manufacture reasons why kids can't go back to school. What I'm trying to tell you is it's, it's not natural, it's spiritual. And, and the enemy, fear-based, and the enemy has found this time to try to weasel his way in to a lot of things that we got to keep him out of. There's a prophet who's in heaven today, and I've never known him to be wrong, ever known him to miss it. And he said this. He said there will be two terms of a praying president. And he said he will come in praying like a lamb, but he'll leave roaring like a lion. He's the same man that said when president, and he said this, when President Trump is elected, they will shout impeach, impeach, but it will not happen. Now he's in heaven today. Before, before there was ever any semblance of an election, he prophesied that. I believe that we got two terms of a praying president. But we got to back up what we believe. Amen. We got to pray and we got to vote. Because a move of God is on our doorstep. You believe that? I believe that.